Today we're reaching the end of this uh, six-part message series on uh, the book of Matthew, but really not all of the book of Matthew, just chapter 10. Uh, Next Sunday we're going to embark on a um, ten-part series, I think, around that, in the book of Psalms. We're going to go all the way from Psalm 1 to Psalm 150, but since Psalms is broken up into five parts, I'm going to deal with only two of them. For example, the first part, I'll probably deal with Psalm 1 and Psalm 23, and then we'll get to Psalm 51, and we'll end up way down at the end with Psalm 150 and see what God has to say to us in the book of Psalms. But today, we're in Matthew chapter 10. Uh, there's no special reading because I'm going to be reading, and you'll see the words on the screen as part of today's message. But I want to start with something I, I got in the mail, uh, email, uh, it's probably almost a month ago now from a, a pastor friend of mine. It was a link to an online article. And by the way, if you want to know where that link is later, I can tell you find the, the full article. It's really kind of fascinating. Uh, but it issues a pretty stern warning for Christian people in this world, Christ followers worldwide. And essentially, it says that the Christian church should be prepared to be treated like the first century church in Rome. Now, my initial thought was, Well, they weren't treating the people in Rome very well. What does that mean for us? Well, in other words, uh, what's happening, according to the guy who wrote the article, is that churches that hold to a conservative interpretation of the Bible may soon find themselves Romanized. That was the word they used, (coughs) Romanized. And the article talked about five steps that it go, people go through in order to reach that, that case by which their voices are silenced in culture. And I don't think I put these on the screen or not, but uh, it starts with marginalization. I guess I didn't put those on it, but marginalization, which means you're just kind of moved to the side and being all that not important. Then there's this kind of characterization where you are characterized as being something less than what we like having around. Then there's vilification, which is, you know, you dirty, rotten kind of people. And then we get into criminalization, where we're accused of all kinds of things that are even against the law. And finally, elimination. Now, I want to just read the conclusion. He said, we have now reached the stage of vilification. Conservative Christians are now regarded by the establishment as the villains in transformed America. Hard times are coming, and we better get ready. I read that, and I went, wow, glad I'm close to retirement. <laughs> Let's move somewhere. Well, that brings me to Jesus' words today. The very first words is it's in, in uh, Matthew 10, verse 16. In Matthew 10:16, he says, Behold, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Now, how many of you have this as your life verse? I've never met anybody who would pick that one as their life verse. It's not the most inspiring uh, word picture in the Bible. I mean, because after all, uh, who wants to be a sheep among wolves? Well, not me. I, I really don't think about wanting to do that. But I want you to notice how Jesus puts it here. He says, I'm sending you out. He didn't say you guys are going to go out on your own. That's not, not, not what he said at all. It has to do with a kind of a sense of divine commission. In fact, I thought this is really kind of another great commission. 
I'm sending you guys out, all you sheep, to deal with all of these wolves. So I, I'm intentionally sending you out. Uh, you know, if you wake up one day and you find yourself surrounded by wolves, uh, don't be surprised because I actually intended for you to be there in the midst of these wolves. Uh, and it's at this point when I read the scriptures, when I got to this part, and thought, well, do I want to preach about that? I thought, we need to kind of pull the car over for a little bit and think about this. I'm not really anxious about going out wolf hunting. Um, and I, I wrote myself some questions as I was putting this together. And one of it was like, Lord, why would you want us to do this? Um, I mean, after all, wolves eat sheep. I know that much. Uh, we also know that it's not safe to go out and battle wolves. And I thought, you know, if it's all the same to you, Lord, I, I can't speak for the rest of people at Restore, but I'd rather stay in the pen where wolves can't get at me uh, quite so easily if I can just kind of hunker down in my own little uh, cozy little Christian corner here. And, and, and by the way, Lord, what am I going to do if wolves start coming after me? Now, I don't know whether you've had wolves come after you already. I'll be honest, I've had some wolves who kind of want to know what's the big deal about Christianity. Uh, I ran into a lot of the guys down in prison, so you know I'm not interested in your... You can fill in the blankety blanks. Uh, and today, the guys even tell me that the new administration at Angola Prison is no longer Christian-friendly. Bunch of sheep down there with wolves. I mean, a sheep and a wolf is not a fair fight. Uh, wolves, actually, if you haven't read the news sports edition lately, but the wolves are undefeated against sheep. In fact, if you send a sheep out amongst wolves, you can pretty much guess that the wolves are going to have what for supper? Lamb chops. And so we need to be clear. Jesus is saying, you're the sheep. He's the shepherd. All around you are these people who don't really like what you are and what you're telling us. I see them. I know where they are. I know they want to kill you, uh, but I'm going to send you out anyway. Now, it's kind of hard to understand on one level. It's kind of like a death sentence that Jesus is giving Christ followers. Uh, you know, imagine the shepherd standing at a sheep pen someday and say, okay, little sheepy sheep, go on out there, go find some wolves. Uh, not really what I thought I signed up for when I became, well, first of all, even a Christian, uh, let alone being a pastor. And so Jesus is not sending people out with a general warning of, uh, you know, be careful out there. This is wolf country. Uh, that's true. But what Jesus means means a whole lot more than that. He's really saying we're here right here. We think about ourselves. We're here right now. And all around us are wolves. And I am intentionally sending you out into this one square mile or into this world, depending on what kind of great commission you want to deal with. Now, in some respects, it almost sounds like a suicide mission. Uh, and in a way it is, uh, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But nothing could be more frightening to a sheep than to be told, I'm sending you out amongst the wolves. But that's precisely what Jesus had to say here. And you go back, and I've used this word a lot in the last weeks, is sovereignty. I mean, this is divine sovereignty at work. In other words, God had this plan from the beginning. He's still as part of his plan today. Everything in between creation and where we are today is all a part of God's grand design. See, the shepherd who's going to, who is going to give his life for the sheep also sends us out to do the same thing. And so this is not an accident. Uh, Jesus says, 
there's something about being a Christian, which is really kind of a dangerous calling. Uh, we're in peril all day long. Now, a lot of you may already be thinking, well, I'm pretty happy, clappy where I'm at, and nobody's bothering me. Um, well, maybe you haven't been hanging around <laughs> any wolves lately. <laughs> Believe me, they're out there. Now, if we go a step further in this. Uh, it's not as if Jesus is saying, I'm sending you into a dangerous place, but don't worry, at the last second I'll just snatch you out of there and you'll be okie-dokie. Now, he can do that if he wants to. Uh, he might do that, take you out of those dangerous situations, but there's no guarantee that he actually will do that. In fact, there is no promise whatsoever of deliverance from Christ followers out in the world. Take you back to uh, Daniel chapter 3. Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Uh Nebuchadnezzar built this big statue, and when the horns blew, and they're supposed to bow down and worship, otherwise you're going to get heaved into the fiery furnace. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, you can vilify us, you can do all these kind of things to us, but we're going to do it. This is what it says in Daniel chapter 3. It says, our God is able to deliver us, and we think he will. That's kind of interesting. We think he will, but even if he doesn't deliver us, we still will not bow down to that golden image. And when I read that, I go, uh, but uh, wolves will be wolves. And they kill sheep. And knowing that, Jesus adds a little bit extra instruction in the next part of verse 16, 16b. It says, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Now, what on earth does that mean? First of all, I don't like snakes. I don't even like talking about them that much. I mean, I... I'm, I'm more in the line of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane stomping on snakes if I'd see one. I just don't like them. What does it mean? I think the primary point of comparison here is snakes know how to hide. Snakes know how to disguise themselves. They're always under rocks or under ledges. Uh, they kind of camouflage themselves. They stay out of the way. And I guess applied to us... Um, what Jesus says, I, I'm sending you out into a very dangerous situation, but be smart. Be cautious. Pay attention. Don't be naive, or to put it in the, uh, in the vernacular, don't be an idiot when you go out there <laughs> as a witness. Uh, don't go up and start taunting the wolves. Now, the part about doves is maybe a little bit easier for us to understand because it speaks of our integrity. I always like that, that Greek word, integrity. It means to have a one-piece heart. Uh, to be honest, uh, see, if there's trouble out there, let it be because the wolves attack, not because we've done something really foolish. So that brings us back to a real crucial question. And it's a question for our Lord. It is, Lord, uh, we know you're the good shepherd. We know that. After all, churches get named Good Shepherd Lutheran Church or Good Shepherd Presbyterian Church. Uh, we know you love us. But why would you put us in this situation? Why are you sending us out amongst all of these wolves as a bunch of sheep? Well, this is where we're going to dig deeper into the text because I think there are three good answers here. And answer number one, you'll see on the screen, it's so that we might bear witness to the nations. Let me read to you verses 17 through 20. 
Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. I tell you, that doesn't sound very good. And you will be dragged before governors, oh, gee whiz, and kings for my sake, to, oh, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, that doesn't sound very good either. Uh, don't be anxious, well, I don't know, about how you're to speak or what to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. And that's starting to sound a little bit better. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Now, just look how Jesus put it. They will deliver you over. That's bad. I don't see, there's no good news in that. They'll flog you. Uh, that sounds a little bit worse. Uh, you will be dragged in front of the courts, in front of the governors, in front of the politicians. That, that doesn't sound very good either. You will bear witness before them in the Gentiles. Now, all of a sudden, that's not all bad. You get an opportunity to speak for Jesus. Uh, what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. You know, you ever done that? Oh, don't, Lord, don't be put in that situation. I don't know what to, I, 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 I don't know. I can't say anything. No, you'll be given what you need to say. And that's better yet. And it says, for it is not you who speaks, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. That's the best. You used a phrase I learned from John Olson the other day. You remember it said, I only gave you what the Lord gave me. Do you remember repeating that? The other, I can't remember what context. It just came right out of her. Uh, one, one guy had preached for me one time. And I said it was a wonderful sermon. And he said, I only gave you what the Lord gave me. Now, I would hope that every pastor who ever preaches, I don't care where they're at, whether they're at praise and worship, whether they're at restore, whether they're whatever, is we only give you what the Lord gave us. And when we go out as sheep among the wolves, what are we doing? We only give those people what the Lord has given us. He gives us words. I don't know if you ever found yourself in a conversation one time thinking, man, I don't even know what to say if something like, and all of a sudden you're talking. The Lord has worked in you to bring the right message at the right time, the right place to the right people. Now, all that says is Jesus is in charge. Uh, Jesus sends us out into dangerous situations, not with a promise of deliverance. I mean, after all, there's the governors, the beatings, the jailings and all that kind of stuff. But with the promise that you will ultimately have the power to speak up for Jesus. See, the whole point here is pretty clear. Jesus is in charge of everything. There's that sovereignty again. The good, the bad. Now, we could have said the good, bad, and the ugly. Do an old Clint Eastwood movie. Uh, be po- the positive, the negative. He's in charge of all of that kind of stuff. Uh, he knows about the wolves. Uh, he sends us out amongst these wolves anyway. And it's been part of his plan ever since the beginning. I mean, go all the way back to Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman. between you. <laughs> but you, you've got a message now to share. It's been that way ever since. So we need to remind ourselves we are not um, exempt from suffering. As Christ follows, we'll all suffer in one way or another. Sometimes it's going to seem harder. Sometimes it's going to be, well, that wasn't all that bad, but it's still suffering. I mean, Jesus told his own disciples that in John chapter 16, 33. He said, in the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. Why? I've overcome this world. I've already overcome it. I think many Christians in the West don't take verses like that very seriously. Uh, we hear about all the atrocities. I mean, now the bombings in Israel. And I've got some stuff from the Christian population that comes out to pastors and to our, 
our denomination of which we're kind of a part of, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, saying pray for our brothers who are under attack. And you, you, you read about this kind of stuff and you, you mourn with these people. But sometimes we, we think to ourselves, but that'll never happen here in America, will it? I just read something this morning and said, you think our southern border is open. Our northern border is even more open. Could it be? I don't know. That's why we need to share the message to the nations. Tech ethnoi, every ethnic group known. How many ethnic groups are there in the world? I haven't got the vaguest idea. You can Google that sometime this afternoon. So that's answer number one. Here's answer number two. It's so that we might demonstrate the reality of our own faith. Let's read 17 to 23. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. That verse describes kind of a total breakdown of society. Brother betrays his brother. Father betrays a child. Children turn their parents in. Christians are hated by everybody. They're running up and down the street crying out to each other. In other words, the wolves have been turned out of the the cages and the wolves are on the prowl looking for people. But maybe the most sobering part is it's really in verse 23 of this text where it says, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. In other words, Jesus said, this is, just, this is going to be the way it is before I come back. Is it going to happen in 2023? I don't know. Will it be 2030? I don't know. Uh, that's why this morning when I went through my notes again, I said, oh man, Lord, if you come back, coming back, Today before nine would be okay with me. <laughs> Let me finish my coffee first. No, uh, but anytime you want to come back, it would be great with me. Well, this is how it was in the first century. This is how it is in the 21st century. Nothing that matters has really changed much. Wolves are still out there. Uh, sheep are as much danger as they were at the beginning of time. And so, uh, you know, I'm not telling you anything new. I mean, the Christian life is hard. And sometimes the Christian life is really hard. And that's what we need to pray for ourselves. I mean, we're a, we're a small flock of sheep. We have no idea really sometimes what's out there and who we come into contact with. Uh, most of you know I'm down at the coffee shop every day. Well, every day they're open. And I would say by and large, I'm, I have friendly greetings with people. But every once in a while... A wolf asks if he can sit at my table. And I go, fine. They're not using, I won't be sitting in one chair at a time. And so, you know, the conversation finally gets around to, so, uh, how's retirement? I like that one. How's retirement? I said, uh, call me back in a couple of years. I'll let you know. <laughs> he says, what, you're not retired? I said, no. He says, so what do you do? Well, see, then we get to this. That's an interesting question because how do you, I could say, well, I'm a, I'm a shepherd, <laughs> or uh, I just say, well, I'm a pastor. 
And then you sometimes you get, sometimes you get, really, where, where are you at? And then you get a chance to talk about, sometimes it's like, oh, geez, why did I sit at this table? <laughs> you, you, can, you can almost read between the lines. And it's like, really? I said, yeah, really. Where's your, what kind of church? And that's what's called restore. Well, you know what's right next door to Hollister Coffee Company? Restore. <laughs> And they're like, you probably figure I'm over there sitting on the used furniture all day long. I said, no, it's restore, as in restoring that which is broken. Well, what's broken? And I said, um, this is where it gets a little dangerous. Uh, you and me. What do you mean? Me. Life going well for you? It, now you can already think, how can I get out of this conversation with this guy? It happens every once in a while. Maybe you've had those conversations. I'm sure Jess probably had those conversations with people. Maybe some of you have had conversations with those people too. They find out that you're a sheep and suddenly the teeth come out. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you're, if you're surrounded consistently by Christians, that, that's okay. I'm not telling you that's not okay. But you're also in this world. And we're asked to testify with what's going on here. So we need to pray for ourselves and our brothers and sisters around the world that they have the strength to endure whatever comes their way. And we just don't know what's going to come our way. Now, why would Jesus send sheep out amongst wolves? Here's the third answer. I give you. It's that we might become like Christ in our suffering. Now that seems kind of odd. You think about if you ever saw the Passion of the Christ that movie. I'm thinking I don't want to die like that. <laughs> I mean, you're watching that movie like this. You know, every once in a while, just peeking out. This whoa, no, I don't want to see any more of that. Well, look at verses 24 and 25. A disciple that would be you and me is not above his teacher. That's Jesus. Nor a servant. That's us. Above his master. That's Jesus. It is enough for the disciple that you and me to be like his teacher, Jesus, and the servant, you and I, like his master, Jesus. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, anybody know what that means? Yeah, the Lord of Flies is the literal translation. Called him Satan. Be another simpler way to put it. How much more will they malign those of his household? In other words, if they tell, they say Jesus was of the devil. Imagine those who are part of his family. See, Jesus is the teacher. Uh, we are the disciples. Jesus is the master. Uh, you and I are the slaves. Uh, Jesus is the head of the house. We are part of his family. And what did they do to Jesus? They crucified him. Can we expect anything less? So where does that leave us? Oh, rats, I wish I hadn't come to church today. <laughs> no, I think the answer, we, we have the words of Jesus. We have contemporary examples in front of us. I mean, what shall we say about this? Well, here's one answer. Only a fool would send sheep out among the wolves. Because that's how you get sheep killed.
killed. Sheep have no business. They have no chance against the wolves. That's one answer. Only a fool would do that. Or the Son of God. He's telling us we're in danger all day long. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff. Why would he have a rod and a staff? Because he's the head shepherd and you're just a sheep. That's why he has it. Wow. We're in danger all day long, but the shepherd is with us. Jesus is saying, I send you out, but guess what? I'm going to go with you. You don't go by yourself. If you're a believer sitting here today, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. That's a promise from God. I love how the guys in prison refer to him as the resident president. You've got the resident president sitting inside of you, the Holy Spirit. You don't go alone. In spite of the fact that a few people have called me over the years and say, Pastor, I'm in a difficult situation. Can you come over and talk to these people? <laughs> uh, no, you talk to them first, <laughs> and then we'll see how it goes. That doesn't want to be helpful. But you got it in you. You got it in you to share. He says, I am going before you. I'm above you. I'm beneath you. You're never alone, not even for a second. Can you imagine what would happen if Jesus took his power off of us for a second? This world would, I don't know, implode, explode, deplode, whatever plode you want to come up with. Now, he's not promising that when we witness the people that we won't get hurt. I mean, it's not particularly pleasant for people to tell you to take your Christianity and take a hike or whatever. Uh, We may be hurt. I don't know. I have friends that have been beaten on the mission field. Um, He's not promising us that we won't experience some sort of gruesome death. We might be. Uh, We might live to a ripe old age. That's what I'm praying for. Uh, But we don't know for sure. Uh, But here's the main point, the application. This might be the whole bottom line. It's probably going to be up on the screen. And that's Jesus knows what he's doing. Yeah, I thought it might appear up there. Jesus knows what he's doing. Sheep among wolves. Doesn't make any sense, but Jesus knows what he's doing. It's not a mistake. It's not a misprint in scripture. Uh, Jesus knows that he needs to show the world, uh, the followers, that we're just not made out of, I don't know what, cotton candy. Um, The Coast Guard has a motto. Anybody know the Coast Guard motto? You have to go out. You don't have to come back. Interesting motto. It's almost like the Marine motto. You have to go out, but you don't need to come back. And so it is for all of us. If we are sheep in the midst of the wolves, what comfort is there? Let me give you a big, long answer here. It's in Romans chapter 8. Why don't we read this together? I think it would be good for us to read this together. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death or life angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing 
will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's out of the ESV, so I kind of stumble over a few words that I still remember out of the King King Jimmy. Uh, some of you do too. And so, uh, you know, restore family, I, you know, just thinking about today's message, there are wolves out there. I think we all know that in some form or another. Uh, but out we need to go. That's why we are in this community. This is where God wanted us to be. Uh, my heart uh, aches for churches who think that the only thing that's important is in the building. And I, I'm so happy that we, we gather together to worship and encourage one another, but that we actually do stuff outside. So I was kind of been trying to pick on Mary Evelyn and, and Anthony because... Being down at Smack again the other night, Jimmy, maybe you came a little bit later, but I see Jimmy down there too. And I know these folks get a chance to interact with people. And that's what we're called to do. And all the interactions you may have that might be Christian don't always turn out really good. doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes even hanging out with a bunch of Christians doesn't go quite the way you'd like it because sometimes you go, say what? People that come out to the horse farm, conversations. Bet you get them. We all got them. Interesting stuff. You know, sometimes when we are out there, uh, we kind of wonder what we're going to say. But what does Scripture say? Holy Spirit will give you what you need to say, just the right time, right place. The wolves are out there. Little sheep. Let's pray. Lord, we're glad this is in the Bible. Uh, sometimes our hearts are filled with fear, and yet we thank you that you called us. We thank you that you sent us. We thank you that you go with us, even in the midst of all the wolves. So give us courage to go where you send us, uh, to stay where you put us, to speak the good news of Jesus, so that whether by life or by death, uh, Christ might be glorified in us. And Father, I just pray that you burn this truth into our hearts that nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.